And uh, we have some more equipment for the battle here in Ephesians 6. And uh, uh, we will actually, it's kind of the, some would say the final uh, piece of the whole armor of God. Uh, we'll, we'll look at uh, uh, verse 18, which is another uh, aspect. We'll look at that in, uh, next week, Lord willing, which is prayer, which that can certainly be a part of the equipment as well. But uh, we'll look at that next next week. But um, we'll just remind you of the pieces of armor, uh, what they represent. We've talked about um, the belt of truth speaks of life that is built on the faithfulness to the word of God and to the God of the word. Uh, the breastplate of righteousness uh, speaks of the holy life. Uh, the boots of peace speak of our foundation uh, in Jesus. Uh, the buckler of faith speaks about the simple faith in God that allows us to trust him at all times in all situations. Uh, and we looked at the bonnet of salvation, uh, as it says here, the helmet of salvation. Uh, the bonnet of salvation speaks of full assurance in one's salvation. And uh, the redeemed are engaged in a spiritual warfare. Our enemy, the devil, is powerful, determined. He's relentless. Uh, that's what verses 10 through 13 have, have been telling us there. The devil comes against the people of God, uses the wiles or methods or deceptions, verse 11. Uh, Satan does anything in his power to destroy our faith, to draw attention away uh, from the God of glory. It's God's will that we stand against these attacks of the devil. And so uh, today we want to consider uh, the final piece that uh, here in this uh, sequence here, uh, and that would be the blade of the spirit, the blade of the spirit. We're told the blade or the spirit of the spirit or the word of God. And we're going to examine this last piece here and discover how the word of God can empower us and enable us to overcome our enemy, the devil. Now, in the a blade of the spirit, uh, uh, in verse 17, it says, In the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, we notice first here the identity of the blade. Two words are used in the New Testament uh, for sword. Um, uh, one of them is uh, from Fava, uh, Ram Fava, uh, uh, and it's a word that uh, is uh, speaking of a long, broad sword. It's the image that comes to mind when you think of a sword. You think of something uh, long. We tend to picture a sword as being long and, and broad and double-edged. And that's what this particular word refers to, this kind of sword, uh, maybe used in hand-to-hand -hand combat and, and going against one's enemy. And then the other one is makahira, and uh, that word refers to a shorter type of sword, or more like a knife, if you please, uh, a short sword carried by the Roman soldier, and it varied in length uh, from anywhere from 6 to 18 inches and it's a type of sword that was used in the hand-to-hand -hand combat uh, in stabbing the enemy. Now, a typical strike uh, would be to the abdomen area. Of course, uh, they would have armor on, and so uh, that would not always be very successful. But uh, abdomen wounds were nearly always fatal. And uh, 
So this kind of sword was the gladius of used by the Romans. And the word Paul uses here is the second kind of sword. Uh, he's thinking of the short sword carried by every Roman soldier. Uh, if you look at uh, your Strong's Concordance and uh, the meanings of each word, this is the word that uh, uh, comes up uh, for uh, the sword of the Spirit. Now, it's the soldier's principal weapon in combat. Uh, the sword was carried uh, sometimes uh, in a kind of a, a sabered, uh, scabbard uh, and attacked, uh, attacked, uh, attached, excuse me, attached to the, uh, the soldier's belt, and it was be readily available for ready use. Um, it was a kind of sword that Peter used uh, to cut off the ear of Malchus in the garden, uh, the servant of the high priest, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. It was a type of sword that Herod's executioners used to martyr James uh, in Acts chapter 12, verse 2. So the short sword was kind of one of those indispensable components of the Roman soldier's army. Uh, he would use it to defend himself. He would uh, help him accomplish uh, many of his day-to-day -day tasks around the camp. And the sword that uh, Paul has in mind is not a physical sword, uh, but it's, he identifies it as the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So this sword is a spiritual weapon, and it's to be used by us as believers in a spiritual conflict with Satan. Uh, the spiritual sword is of the Spirit. Uh, that refers to its origin. It uh, reminds us that the Bible is not a man-made book. Uh, the Bible is a spiritual book. It came... Uh, to us from the Spirit of God. 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Um, 2 Peter 1, 21 says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So this is a book that uh, is a special book, and I, I trust it's special to you because it's a book that comes to us from God by the Spirit of God. And I, I just want to remind us this evening that uh, this book is no ordinary book. Uh, it's the Word of God. It's the inspired. It's inspired by God. It's infallible. It's inerrant. Uh, it's to be trusted, it can be believed. And its words are the very words of God. Uh, in the pages of the Bible, we find the truth of who God is, uh, the truth of who we are, the very mind of God, the identity of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the way to be saved. Uh, it's the source of all faith. It's help for every battle we face. It's hope for every road we travel. It's Peace for the times of turmoil. It's joy to sustain us in times of sorrow. It has wise answers for all the questions of life. It has guidance and direction for all the paths that we walk. So it's a book to be read, to be believed, to be loved, to be shared, to be enjoyed, and to be trusted. It's the Word of God. And it's 
very important that we saturate our lives in its truths. We soak in the glories that it contains. There is no other book like this in the world. Uh, it's a one of a kind. And the Bible alone is a spiritual book. Uh, the Bible alone is the very word of God. So when Paul speaks of the sword of the spirit, he's referring to God's word. But then notice the importance of the blade. Uh, just as the short sword was essential to the work of the Roman soldier, uh, the word of God is essential to the Christian soldier. There's a word in our text we need to look at just for a moment, and it says there, uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That word, word, word uh, there is the Greek word rhema, and uh, the word literally means an utterance. Now, in other places uh, in the New Testament, you have uh, four Greek words that are translated word into our English Bibles. Two of them are used most often. Uh, one of those is the word logos, and the other one is this word, rhema. And it, uh, if we look at those very closely, uh, logos is the word uh, which refers to something said. It also refers to the thought behind the words. Uh, and the word is often used to speak about the entirety of the Word of God, the Bible. So Logos is the totality of the Word of God. Rima uh, is a word which, again, we said uh, me, uh, means an utterance. And when we use, uh, when it's used of the Word of God, it, it doesn't speak of the whole book, the whole Word of God. It speaks of maybe individual sections, individual words. And so when Paul uses the word, word, here in verse 17, He's using Rima, and he's not referring to the whole Bible, but to the shorter sections of the Bible. Maybe to some of those passages that we need to uh, memorize, or we need to uh, use uh, very carefully uh, to meet the needs of our, our, our hearts and our lives day by day. Uh, those shorter sections that we might share with someone else. Now, let me just illustrate this. If you take your Bibles and turn back to Matthew, and this is a familiar uh, passage in Matthew chapter 4, uh, you have the uh, time when Jesus was in the wilderness and faced the uh, temptations of Satan. Matthew chapter 4, and you have this in verses uh, 1 through 11. We have the temptation of the Lord Jesus. And uh, you find here that Jesus responded to every attack to, of the devil by quoting Scripture. Now, he didn't quote the whole book. He just quoted portions of the book. And he, he used this as his sword to deal with uh, this, uh, Satan and to uh, combat him in a spiritual battle. In verse 4, it says, But he answered and said, It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Uh, when Paul used the word word, it was the word rhema. And when Jesus says every word of God, again, he's not referring to the whole book, although that is very, uh, very true. Uh, every word of, uh, of, of God can refer to the whole book, but Jesus 
is uh, being more specific here, and he's using individual passages or, or sections. Uh, if we think of the Bible as a vast armory, uh, I had the uh, privilege of, of visiting uh, the armory. Oh, it's over by the Quad Cities uh, in, in Iowa there. Uh, it's where they make, uh, or they, uh, where the Remington uh, rifle was, uh, was made. And then in that area, there was uh, an area as well as uh, uh, a military armory where they had uh, weapons uh, of all kinds there uh, and uh, had the privilege of visiting there at one time. And uh, we need to think of the Bible as an armory where there are weapons, various weapons designed for very specific types of battle. You know, you may have heard that uh, saying, uh, you don't bring a gun to a knife fight. Uh, that's uh, uh, the idea here. Uh, when times of temptation or satanic attack come against you, it's impossible, it's impractical to just take and throw the whole Bible at him, you know. It's pretty hard to, uh, when, when you're discussing the Word of God with somebody, well, let me start in Genesis 1-1 and we'll go through Revelation 21. And uh, that'd take you a while. But you do, uh, you, you use words, the words of God that uh, have, you've studied and that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And uh, so uh, what you need is the specific word of God that speaks to an individual circumstance. And that's what Jesus did. Three times he was attacked by the enemy. Three times Jesus stepped into the armory of the word uh, and uh, he selected the very weapon that he needed for each encounter. And Jesus did, uh, did repel the enemy's attacks. He didn't try to do it, though, with the whole Bible. Uh, he chose very precise weapons that he needed for each attack. Look at verse 3 again. It says, When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Well, we read verse 4, but he said there, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Well, uh, where is that found in the word of God? Well, you might have a note in your margin there, and if you don't, you should put one there. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 says, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee to know the man, that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. Now they go on to verse 5, and it says there, The devil taketh him up into the holy city, setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in his hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Well, uh, here I think uh, the devil's trying to turn the tables on the Lord, and he said, you know, well, oh, you quote scripture, I can quote scripture. You know, 
And many times that's true. I mean, Satan knows Scripture just like uh, uh, the Lord does, or, or we do. Well, Jesus said to him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the, the Lord thy God. Now, that comes from Deuteronomy 6 and verse 16. Deuteronomy 6, 16, which says, Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as he tempted him in Massa. And then in verse 8, a third time, uh, the devil taketh up into an exceeding high mountain, showeth him the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. In verse 10, Jesus then says, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Here he is quoting Deuteronomy 6 and verse 13. Deuteronomy 6, verse 13. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him, and thou shalt swear by his name. So Jesus, you say, well, he was God, so he was, he was familiar with the word of God because he was the author. Uh, but uh, uh, he, was, he was giving us an example of how we need to be familiar with it. Uh, we may not know every word. We may, may not have memorized the entire Bible. But the more we memorize, the more weapons we'll have to use. Uh, the more we're familiar with this book, the more weapons we can draw upon. And so he was able to select the proper uh, rima in each attack. <coughs> uh, and so his wise use allowed him to uh, achieve victory over the devil. Excuse me. <coughs> Well, you'll notice that Jesus did not rebuke Satan. He didn't argue with him. Uh, he didn't say, well, you're, a, you're an old fool. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. He simply used the word of God. You know, we're tempted maybe sometime when we're discussing uh, spiritual things with somebody and they're arguing with us and they, they say, well, I don't believe that. And you'll say, we might be tempted to say, well, you're, you're a foolish person, you know, and we might get uh, upset with them. We might rebuke them, but Jesus didn't. And uh, so when the devil faced, was faced with the truth of the word of God, we find he abandoned his attack and he fled. So I think the lesson for us is very clear. We need to be so familiar with the armory, the Bible, that we know where all the different weapons are placed. And then when the enemy attacks, we're able to repel his attacks with the word of God. And this will be, enable us to stand against the assaults of the enemy. Uh, the Bible is a defensive weapon. Now, it's also an offensive weapon. It allows us to take the battle to the enemy. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And when the word of God is used against the devil, he will flee. When the word of God is preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, it transforms lost sinners. Uh, it invades their darkness. It drags them into the light. It enters uh, the tomb of the, their dead condition. It breathes life into their spirits. And for saints of God, the living word changes sadness into joy, despair into hope, and stagnation into growth. And 
immaturity into maturity and failure into success. Uh, the problem with many in churches today is that they're not familiar with what God has said in his word. And so when they're attacked by the enemy, or they try to rebuke him, or they'll try to plead the blood, or some other useless tactic, if they knew the word of God and the locations of the various weapons, and uh, they would not be so helpless. Uh, they would not be so often defeated. The only way to know the Bible and to learn where these various weapons are uh, located is for a Christian to read and study. Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It means we pick it up, we open its pages, we learn from it. Uh, someone has said the Bible is an armory of heavenly weapons, a laboratory of infallible medicines, a mine of exhaustless wealth. It is a guidebook for every road, a chart for every sea, a medicine for every malady, and a balm for every wound. For every wound. Rob us of our Bible, and our sky has lost its sun. So the Bible is the Word of God. It's the source of our faith, and the only source we possess for learning about God, about Jesus, about salvation, about heaven, about hell. Uh, we must learn its truths, we, or else we'll be helpless against our enemies. And the Bible is our source for happiness and peace and spiritual growth and power for living. The Bible is indispensable for the Christian who desires to be successful in his or her walk with the Lord. So if you have a Bible in which... I believe we all have Bibles. Maybe we have more than one. We have several. Well, it's still a precious treasure. We need to cherish it. We need to read it. We need to learn it. And uh, we need to love it and to live it. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We need to make the Bible our daily bread. And if we do, when the enemy comes, we'll be ready to be able to stand, and having done all, to stand. So those are uh, six uh, pieces of equipment. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the boots of peace, the buckler of faith, the bonnet of salvation, and the blade of the Spirit. And the uh, Lord willing, we'll look at what we could consider a, another weapon, and that's the weapon of prayer in the next verse in verse 18. I trust the Lord will bless as we uh, engage in this spiritual battle and that uh, we'll realize where our real resources are for winning this battle. Let's pray.